All right, how was the band? How was worship? Let's get up one more time. It's awesome. Yeah. Hey there, good to see you, good to have you with us. Hey, it's especially true if you're brand new, brand new friend here for the very first time. All of our online friends right now tuning in to tune in and be a part of this too. Good to have you with us. Hey, if you weren't here, last week we kicked off this new series that we're in called Build Your Core. And, and what I understand to be something that's especially relevant at this time of year, that's what the stats say, that's what the experts say, since most of us have decided to change some things up in our lives this year. We've made resolutions, we got big goals, big dreams, big plans for our lives, and, and so, so so we've decided, you know what, and the experts tell us that, that diet, fitness, and losing weight is at or near the top of the list for most of us who've made resolutions this year. Because we just know that life's better when we're healthier. That's just true. So we made a decision that we're going to work on our core. We're going to work on our bodies in 2020 and make 2020 different. And if you've made that decision, hey, that's a great decision. We said last week, God's in that decision. Last week, we looked at the Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and, and God says this, physical training has some value. So it really does. It has some value. So if you decided to build your core year this year, that's a great thing. But we're actually after something that's a little bit different together this year. Because those same verses that say physical training have some, has some value, those verses also say this. Training ourselves to be godly. In other words, working on our relationship with God. What does life with God look like for us? That actually has more value. It has the most value of all. And so that's building kind of a different kind of core, and that's what we're chasing after together in this series as we try our best to make 2020 a different kind of year, a better year for each and every one of us. So last week when we kicked it off, we said before we can get to what we need to do and how we need to go about doing it, there's a few things we need to know, things like this. Church alone is not the answer. This thing we're doing here, and there's a lot of you here, and it's great. This is a part of it. Right? You need to be here more often than not. This is a great thing, but this alone is not the answer. In fact, this alone will often leave you empty. You just need to know that. This relationship with Jesus, not religion, that leads us to the life we're looking for. We said that last week. So if that's true, and it is true, here's the question, and we asked it last week. So are we really following Jesus? Are we heading into a new year and a new decade together, simply continuing to invite him to follow us again this year? That's a tough question. Last week, we landed the plane with this. Nothing really changes when we decide to change. The things actually begin to change in your life and mine when we commit. There's the word, commit to change. So the question we said, we need to stay in this all week, leading up to this weekend was, are we really committed to change? And I want to pick it right up there, up right there today. Now, so hopefully your answer is yes, I'm committed to change. So now that we're committed to change, the question is, all right, it's time to spend a little bit of time on what do we need to do and how do we go about doing that in this new year? You know, if you were to look at my Kindle, I I have lots of books. I tend to read lots of books at the same time. I'll get bored with one, shift to another. But one of the books on my Kindle I'm working through pretty slowly is called Atomic Habits. Maybe you've read that book. Uh, if you haven't, I highly recommend it, especially this time of year as you're trying to uh, break habits or start some new habits in your life and get this year started off differently. It's a good, good book. But I'll be honest with you, I've had trouble staying in this book. And maybe that's not you, it's just me. Right? I've had trouble, and it's because James Clear, the author, he tends to want to get into some of the science behind our habits. And I'm just not a big science guy. I'm just not. I mean, I start reading that stuff, my eyes start to glaze over, my mind starts to drip. It's, oh, there's a bird. I mean, it's just, it's, it's hard for me to stay in that stuff. There's a reason why I went to law school and became a trial attorney. Let me just say it that way. Early on in the book, if you haven't read it, he tells the story of a guy named Dave Brailsford, who became the coach of the British cycling team back around 2003. Now, the British cycling team sucked. I mean, they, they were no good. They were dismal. They were disappointing. They were never really internationally competitive at all. 
But then five years later, under his leadership, they won 60% of the gold medals at the 2008 Olympic Games in Beijing. And then four years after that, they, they set nine Olympic records and broke seven world records at the Olympic Games in London. That's a pretty impressive change, isn't it? I mean, that's transformation. That's, that's amazing. You're like, yeah, that's awesome. But what does it have to do with us, right? That's, that's the important question. What does it have to do with you and me as we sit here this year saying, you know what? This is a year where I really want to build my core. I want to I work on a different kind of core. That's a great question. And, and it goes like this. The answer is, I think we need to pay attention to Brailsford's philosophy and his strategy. Because here's how he describes that. Listen. It's about searching for a tiny margin of improvement in everything. If you break down everything that goes into riding a bike and then improve by 1%, you will get a significant increase when you put them all together. So here's the deal. Listen, maybe real change in our lives is not as hopeless as it might seem. As we continue to dream of our desired destination, and you need to be dreaming about your life. God wants you to dream big dreams about your life. So as you continue, as we continue to dream of our desired destination someday, we have to be careful not to lose track of the small steps that are right in front of us today. And I think that's a very helpful mindset for all of us as we jump back into this together today. and We take this journey and we start talking about, so what is it we need to do and how do we really go about doing that as we continue on? In, in this new year. Let's, let's spend a few minutes talking about that. If you brought a Bible, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. So you can get it out now if you want to do that. Hey, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, there's some on those back tables back there. Maybe awkward to try to grab it now. Room's kind of full. Get it on your way out. It's a gift to you. Take it home. Love for you to have it. You can hit our app or you can hit version, or you can ignore everything I said and read with me on the screens. We're going to jump to Romans and 1 Corinthians at the end of the message today. So maybe easiest just to track with me on the screen. So here we go. Romans chapter 12 beginning with verse 1 and 2. We're really just covering two verses. It says this, Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. All right, let's stop right there. I want to talk about just that one verse. But before we do that, a little bit more setup than usual before we dive in and break down that verse. I want to go back to a moment in the life of Jesus. And if you want to read it and study it for yourself this week, it's found in Matthew chapter 22. There's a moment in the life of Jesus where he's walking down a road and someone comes to him and says, Jesus, Jesus, come out, come out. I've got a question. Of all the commandments, over 600 of them, which is the most important one of all? And Jesus answers this man's question by quoting the Shema. It's Hebrew. It's a prayer. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going back centuries now. Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's what God's been telling his people for centuries and centuries now. This is what's most important. And if you think about it, it just makes sense. Jesus is going to quote that. And it goes like this. We are to love God with all of our heart, our soul, and our might. And we're to love other people as we love ourselves. Now, we talk so much about live to rescue in this place. Live to rescue others. And that's what we're all about. I want to shelve that. I want to just talk about the first half of this today. Actually, I just want to talk about the last piece of the first half. All of your might. All of your strength. With your physical body. With your physical body. You're to love God with your physical body. What does that mean? What does that look like for us as we sit here today? I mean, Paul writes to us and he says, he says, we talked about last week, 1 Timothy 4, that, that, that physical training, taking care of ourselves, has some value. In 1 Corinthians 6, he tells us that our bodies are the temple of God, and that we need to honor God with our bodies. And now, he's telling us we need to offer up our bodies as an act of worship. What does that mean? What does that look like? And how do you and I begin to do that? We need to talk about it. Let's start with this. 
We're gonna, we're, if we're going to go there, we have to understand this. Our actions reveal what we really believe. Our actions reveal our true beliefs. They do. Right? If I watch what you do, I will know what's important to you or not important to you. And it is true. It is. And what Paul's saying to us here is how we treat our bodies, how we treat our bodies. So what we choose to do with our bodies or to our bodies is supposed to be an offer of worship to God. And my question is, is it? About what you did last night or the week before or maybe this morning or maybe you're doing it right now on your phone. Is it? You see, see, the question is, what kind of statement is my outward behavior, what I'm doing with my body, right? My, my behavior, my actions, the things I say, the things I do. What statement is that making to the world around me about my relationship with God? Because if our true beliefs are revealed by what we do, the question is, what would someone looking at from this, uh, us, us from the outside conclude to be true about you, about me and about you? I mean, if they saw me this afternoon sitting on my couch watching football, you know, killing down half a bag, one of those giant bags from Costco of peanut M&Ms. You know what I'm talking about? If they saw me doing that, like killing a whole half bag right there and chasing it down with a crisp, refreshing, hazy IPA, what would they conclude about me? Don't judge me, okay? I feel it. Don't do it, right? It's not, it's not good. But, but what would they conclude about me? So it's not just about that, right? It's not about my binge eating with peanut M&Ms, right? It's not just about me drinking an IPA. So, so it, could be, it could be what? It could be just overeating. It could be you're overweight. It could be you're underweight. It could be you starve yourself. It could be you drink too much. You smoke too much. You take other substances into your body. It could be your sexuality, who you're having sex with. Having sex with a bunch of people you're not married to. Or you know your sexuality's whacked. You're, you're hooked on pornography or you know it's whacked. You know it doesn't line up with what God says is true. It could be your mouth. It could be the language that you use. It's filthy. It's obscene. It's hateful. It's racist. I don't know. So, something like that. It could be your personality. Right? You're overbearing, you're angry, you're rage-filled, you're intentionally aggressive, whatever that, that might look like for you. It could be you're passive, or you're codependent, or you're really, really needy. Maybe you're obsessed with fitness, and it's all about how I look, or you don't care at all about that. You don't really care about your health at all. When it comes to this Bible stuff, maybe you ignore it. This life with God thing, yeah, you don't really pay too much attention to that. So, so if my actions reveal my true beliefs, what would someone looking at me from the outside conclude about me? That's the question. Now listen, listen to me. There's no judgment or condemnation here. Never, ever, ever in this place. No judgment or condemnation. I'm not judging you. People who live in glass houses, don't throw stones. You've got yours and I've got mine too as we sit up here today, as I stand up here today. But here's, here's the deal. Listen, listen. The hope of what Paul's saying to us is in this, that Jesus gives us the ability to change up Anything in our lives, we have the power to change up anything in our lives that doesn't line up with what he says is, is right and what he says is true. Jesus gives the ability to change that. So I'm not trying to change you as you sit here today. I'm not. I'm not even suggesting to you that you need to change. What I'm suggesting to you today is this, that you need to take a hard look, an honest look at yourself and how what you're doing with your physical body, your physical self, you need to look at it. If there's something there that seems a little squishy or squirrely, you just need to take that and lay it down here, put it beside what Jesus says is right and what is true, and then you just need to be open to considering maybe a different strategy for your life. If we really want to build our core this year, we have to do that. I think it lines up with a quote from Dallas Willard in his great book, The Spirit of the Disciplines. I want you to listen to this. He says, one of the greatest deceptions in the practice of the Christian religion is the idea that all that really matters is our internal feelings, our ideas, beliefs, and intentions. 
It is this mistake about the psychology of a human being that more than anything else divorces or separates salvation from life. This is what separates salvation from life to the fullest that Jesus came to bring us. He says this, leaving us a head full of vital truths about God. Most of us have been in church for a while. We have that and a body unable to fend off sin. So we got all these beliefs about God in our, in, in our minds, but we're living a life that's inconsistent with that. In, in other words, the reason that so many of us continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. You do that? This is the story of my life, by the way. It's because... What we believe, what we say we believe, how we feel about God doesn't matter at all if we don't wake up in the morning, get ourselves out of bed with a strategy in place to put what we believe, what we say we believe, and how we feel about God into practice with our physical bodies. And so what we need to do today is we've got to take our physical bodies, as we're sitting here in this room, our sexual bodies, our old, our young, our aging bodies, whichever fits you, our prone-to-sin, prone-to-hunger bodies, overindulging bodies, prone-to-addiction bodies, not the body we wish we had or we once had, the body we're living in today, and we need to line it up with what Jesus says is true. Why? Here it is. That's worship. And you're like, no, 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 I just worship. I had my hands up. I'm singing. It was so angelic, right? That's worship too, right? But Paul says, Paul says, no, 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 you understand. When you line your body up, your physical body up with what Jesus says is true. That's worship. So if you really want to know what I believe to be true about God, watch how I live my life in this body. How's that feel? That's tough, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's a really high bar. So how do, how do we get above the bar with that? Paul's going to help us out here. In order to do that, we've got to understand all that it is that we're up against. So let's, let's read it. Verse 2. We're just going to read the first sentence. We're creeping into this a little bit of time today. Here you go. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There you go. That's how you hurdle the bar. Okay. So over our break at Christmas time this year, I, I read my advanced copy of John Eldridge's new book called Get Your Life Back. It's coming out in February. You really ought to pick it up. Uh, we'll talk more about it next week, but, but there will be copies, I promise you, out at our rescuers rescue gear store out in the the lobby so you can you can get one there i love the title of that book get your life back it requires action right you can't sit back it's not gonna be handed to you get your life back that i must my life has been stolen from me taken from me we're up against a thief an enemy in our stories who wants to steal kill and destroy he's good at it he's stolen from me i've got to be proactive about getting it back so i love the title of that book i love the, the the tagline to the book more you know what it says everyday practices for a world gone mad So Paul says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? I think John nails it. The world has gone freaking mad. Hadn't it? Okay, can I just, can you agree with me on this? The world we're living in is not getting better, it's getting worse. And we're running at such a crazy pace in our lives, and there's no time. There's no time for rest, replenishment, relationship. No, there's not. I mean, technology and the media is eating our lunch every single day. And so we could, it would be worthwhile for us to spend some time talking about that. But, what, but I think when I read what Paul's writing here, I think what would be more worthwhile for you and for me is if we paused right here and we spent a few minutes talking about this. You ready? Compensation and medication never lead to transformation. <clears throat> what you want in your life this year is change. That's transformation. Can I tell you something? Compensation. And medication will never get you there. 
When I talk about compensation, I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about what your boss pays you. I'm talking about the way that we have a tendency to compensate for things in our lives with other things in our lives. Compensation and medication will never change anything. And it took me forever to get this. You know what it took? It took about 40 years of life. It took blowing my life up in a terrible way. It took losing my ministry 15 years ago. It took almost hanging by a thread, losing my wife, Stacy and my four daughters. It took three years of intense counseling, great, deep, hard counseling stuff to help me get to this, to help me to begin to see this for the very first time. What am I talking about? I'm talking about this underlying core belief that I had, that I was weak, ugly, and unlovable, that I've been carrying for 40 years of my life. I didn't even know it. You know, when I look back, when I look back on 55 years of life today, you know what I see? So much of the stuff I've done in my life, I'm not proud of. The things that I did was directly connected to that. You see, when we have these things in our lives that we want to change, we all got them. What do you want to change about yourself? Maybe you got some resolutions tied to that. For me as a kid growing up, was I want to change my red hair. I wanted to wake up with black hair. I did. And I know I'm tan up here today, but I wanted to be more tan right? I, I want to have dark skin, dark hair. I did. If I could just make this go away. When it comes to these things in our lives that we want to change, and you've got yours as you sit here today, but we know we can't change, what do we do? And the answer is we learn to compensate for it. Hey, don't look at this. Look at this. And for me as a kid, at first it was sports. It was basketball. And then it was officer candidate school in the Marine Corps. And then it was law school. And then it was becoming a state prosecutor. And then it was becoming a successful trial attorney. And it was houses and it was cars. And here's part, let's get this part. Even a part of becoming a pastor was compensation for me. I know that doesn't sound right, but it's true. Right? All those things are examples of it. And guess, guess what? Marrying a beautiful girl, that was a part of it too. See, my wife Stacy had no idea what she was getting into when she said yes to me when we were 20 years old. You know what? I had no idea what she was getting into either. And that's the way this stuff works. See, there's a thief who's stealing from us. Think about it. A thief who steals, and if you see it, it's not really a good thief. You steal. We don't see this stuff. And so you would think, if that's my core belief, that marrying a pretty girl solves all my problems. It didn't. It wasn't too long till the messages came back to me, you know. Yeah, Stacy's going to stay married to you. Why? Because she has to. See, she's a loyal girl. If you know my wife, she's very loyal. She's got integrity. She's a person of commitment. I give you my word, it's my word. And I'm like, she has to stay married to me. This is the voice, right? Why? Because she promised to in front of about 300 people in 1984. Right? And you got the contract, marriage license. She signed it. She's in. And so the message to me is this. She's not going to break that. Oh, she's going to make this marriage thing work for you even if she's not into you at all. And here's the message coming my way over and over again. She's not into you at all. She's not into you at all. Greg, come on, man. There it is. She's not into you at all. So marrying a beautiful girl, a girl of my dreams, it didn't solve anything. See, here's the thing. As long as that underlying core belief remains intact, no, I'm weak, I'm ugly, I'm unlovable. There will be problems. And if you know the story of the first 20 years of our marriage, there were problems, lots of problems, ridiculously hard problems, terrible problems. But the way of the world is not to talk about this stuff. Can I tell you this? The way of the church world is not to talk about it either. We don't look for this stuff. We don't dig for this stuff in our life and stories. No, we don't, we don't learn how to get it out there and learn to deal with it. What do we do? We spend our lives compensating for it 
and learning to medicate it, the pain that comes with it. It's just true. That explains all the addictions of all of us sitting in the room today. There's your explanation. You know, I, I've never really struggled with a drug or alcohol addiction. I haven't, but I want to tell you something. I certainly understand people that do. If, that, if that's your deal, I, I get you. I really, really do. I absolutely love a cold, hazy IPA in a frosty glass. I love it. You're like, no, Greg, come on, let me, let me tell you something here, buddy. You like that and you love Jesus. No, I love it. I love Jesus more, okay? But I love, you come to my house, you pull out the freezer drawer, 10 frosty glasses. You can have one too. It's awesome, right? So, so <clears throat> I, I, I love that. I do, but, but, I've, been, but I've, been, I've been thinking about that. I've been asking myself a question lately, especially after I've had a hard day. And it goes like this. Am I, am I drinking this to celebrate? See, I, I love to celebrate. I, I, I do. I love to celebrate relationships. There's nothing like, you want to have coffee with me? I say, let's get a beer, because cheers, buddy. I love you. You love me. It's great. We're in the kingdom. Life in the kingdom ought to be great, right? And so, and so we had cheers. Things we're doing to show the love of Jesus to our city, all that. So there's a lot to celebrate in our lives. There is a lot of hard stuff, too, but I love to celebrate. But my question for myself has been this. Am I drinking this to celebrate or to medicate? There's a big difference. That is such an important an important question. Is this just another example of me using my body to compensate for how I'm feeling or to medicate the pain that's associated with that? Does that feel familiar to anybody else in the room? This is the pattern of this world. This is what we are taught. This is what we unconsciously do. And Paul gets it. In fact, if you read in Romans chapter 7, he says this. He says, I look in the mirror. I don't get that dude. Because why? Because I don't do what I want to do. I want to do what God wants me to do, but I don't do that. You know what I do? I do what I hate to do. And so he goes through this laundry list back and forth. I don't do what I want to do. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. I wish I could do it, but I don't do what I want to do. I don't understand it. Does that ever feel like your life? Me too. Me too. He gets us. Listen, listen. Yes, temptation is a problem. Yes, we struggle with sin, but we have to understand when temptation comes our way, this is the enemy serving something up for us that will allow us to compensate for how we're feeling and to medicate the pain associated with that. If you do some digging, just a little bit of digging in your life and in your story, here's what you're going to see. The areas where you are most tempted to sin, to blow it, to blow your life up, are directly connected to where you're most broken. You can't separate the two. And so the enemy serves up a temptation to you and says, here it is, or here it is again. You know, come on, man. This will, help, this will help you change how you feel about this moment or this thing or feel about yourself. And this will help you medicate all the pain that's associated with it. Really, the pattern of this world is fairly simple. We use our bodies. We use our physical bodies to compensate for unhealthy and inaccurate self-image. It doesn't line up at all with what God sees when he looks up at us. And to medicate all the pain that's associated with that. And we never, ever, 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 ever get close to the core of the problem. We say we want to build our core this year. we got to look at this differently. So God says, no, don't conform to the pattern of this world. That's not the way you do this. Transformation is what you're looking for. Yes, I want to change, okay? God says, here's how you do it. Be transformed by renewing your mind. you got to change the way you think. And not just about God. Yes, you need to know God more and understand God more and experience God more. That's all true. But you've got to change how you see yourself, how you think about yourself too. You can't do that on your own. 
So we got to get, we got to start digging and get to the core. We got to do some real core work with God. We invite Jesus in. Guess what happens? All of a sudden, we find ourselves more free than ever to offer ourselves, our whole selves to God. Why? Because our bodies are not tied up now 24 7 trying to please satisfy and medicate us. Gosh, we got to see this. It's so important that we see this. Let's finish this thing up. When we're willing to do that and say no to the way of the world, our default position, we say, you know what? I'm going to change things up. I'm going to invite Jesus in to do some core work. Here's what happens. The rest of verse 2. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. One of the most common questions in church. I'd like to know what God's will is for my life. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, then you will find and experience what life with God can finally be for you. This amazing, abundant life to the fullest that God sent his son Jesus to bring to us. So in Romans chapter 7, after Paul beats himself up over and over again, I want to do this, but I do this. I want to do this, I do this. I want to do this. He comes to this conclusion about himself. You ready for it? I suck. Right? Now he didn't say it that way. He says, what a wretched man I am. I like this better. It fits our world. I suck. Right? It's exactly what some of us are feeling as we sit here today. Right? I just keep, I just, yeah. And then he asks a question. What do I do? He says, who will rescue me from this wretched body that keeps making all these mistakes and screwing up and blowing my life up? Who will rescue me? In other words, I can't do this alone. I can't willpower my way through this. I need some help. And then... He answers his own question for us. This is verse 25 of Romans chapter 7. Listen to this. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. That God delivers me through the power and life of Jesus that's available and at work in me if I believe in Jesus. We can't do this on our own. This transformation and change and making 2020 different, we can't do this on our own. It's the power of Jesus. It's available to us. It gets us there. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul goes through this. He's talking about... Um, these things in life that are permissible for us, right? Permissible for us. Like, it's okay. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. Like peanut M&Ms and hazy IPAs, right? Nothing wrong with those two things. Now, that's not exactly the formula. If you want six-pack abs, I'm kind of a poster boy for that. But you get the point, right? Nothing wrong with either of those two things. So he talks about these things in life that are per permissible for us. But he says it may be permissible, but it may not be beneficial. And so what you need to understand is if you struggle with an alcohol addiction, can you have a beer or drink? Of course you can. If you struggle with an alcohol addiction, it's not a good idea. Why? It's not beneficial. Maybe permissible, not beneficial. We have to stay in that tension. Okay? So, so here's what Paul ultimately says about, this is how you say no to things that are permissible but not beneficial. Are you ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. There it is again. I can't do this on my own. I mean, the apostle Paul has to ask, who will help me? Who will rescue me? If he has to ask it, we will too. I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes it's not just about not conforming to the pattern of the world. It's, it's about not conforming to the pattern of church world either. And here's what I mean. We have this bad tendency in church world to reduce life with God to what God has done for me, Jesus on the cross, what God will one day do for me eternal life. And in this gap in between that, that's the life that we're living today. It seems like life is totally and completely on me. i got to figure it out. 
And so if that's the case, and that's our theology, what's going to happen? Well, I'm going to use my body to try to make life work in the gap, to try to gain a little applause, to try to minimize pain. That's what I'm going to do. And all that Jesus came to bring us and do in our daily lives, not just our life someday, but life today, gets lost in all that. See, when, we, when it comes to these things that we have to overcome so that we can begin to offer our bodies, our living bodies, our physical selves to God, when it comes to those things, we have to get to this. I can't do that on my own. And the good news is, you don't have to. We paused a little bit ago and we took communion. We do that every single week in this place. Some churches do it once a month, once a quarter, twice a year, Christmas, whatever. We do it every week. Doesn't make it right. The reason is we want to get you in a room with Jesus. We want to get back to the cross every single week. Why do we need to get back to the cross? Because we're hopeless without it. We're hopeless without the cross. The blood of Jesus, your sin, my sin, yesterday's, tomorrow's, I mean, today's and tomorrow's gone because of the blood of Jesus. That's why we crack those cups. It's finished. Deal's done. And that's a great thing. But we can't stop it at the cross. Just like I said, Christmas, you've got to finish the story. We can't stop it at the manger. That's not all that helpful. You can't stop it at the cross. You can't even stop it at the grave. You've got to get to the empty grave. That God raised Jesus from the dead, and here's his promise to you and me, and so few of us are actually tapping into it. The resurrection power of Jesus, that power that brought him out of the grave, is available to you and me if we believe in Jesus. So knowing that, okay, knowing that, here's the question, all right? So I've got this power that's available to me. The question on us then is not, hey, power up and man through it. The question is, what's one step I can take, one change I can make, in this area, when it comes to my physical body, of my life today. Just one thing. One thing that you can change. Not on your own power, but what's one step that you can take? I want to finish where we started. Atomic Habits. Listen to this quote. He says, changes that seem small and unimportant at first will compound into remarkable results if you're willing to stick with them for years. It is so easy to overestimate the importance of one defining moment and to underestimate the value of making small improvements on a daily basis. Isn't it true? Now listen to this. Here's the quote. This is what I want you to hang on to. You should be more concerned with your current trajectory than your current results. So the question is, right, am I heading in the right direction? The question is, am I on the right path? That's the question. And the good news for all of us is, is this. Listen, we all have the ability to change the trajectory of our lives even before we walk out of these doors today. What's that look like to, for you? Maybe it's making a decision for the very first time, put your faith and your trust in Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. I've been kicking the tires. I know it feels right. I, I want to do it. I want some of this resurrection power that's available to me. I want everything that Jesus came to bring me. Maybe you've been there and then you veered off and you, you're heading in this direction. Your trajectory is not good. You need to take a small step back this way and say, nope, Jesus is the answer I'm looking for, and you need to head back that way. Maybe it's as simple as this. You stop trying to do it all in your own willpower and strength, and you tap into some of the power of Jesus that's available in your life. We need to dream big dreams of the destination. We need to dream big, big dreams for this year, but we cannot. Please, whatever you do, don't lose focus on the next step. Just the next step as we think about honoring God with our bodies and how much we demonstrate our love to Him by how we do that, I want you to think about what's one small step I can take, what's one change I can make as I continue to walk into this new year. Listen, making 2020 a different kind of year for us 
requires every single one of us to do a few things differently. Looks different for all of us. What does it look like for you? As you walk out these doors today, what's one thing? Just one thing you could do. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we want every single bit of the life that you came to bring us. And my guess is not a single one of us is experiencing it yet. Would you help us to see the things that are getting in the way of that? Give us, open our eyes to see things that we, that seem painful, hurtful, shameful, that we need to look at that are a real barrier to this life that you have for us. Would you help us to finish the story and to understand the power that's available to us, not just to help us someday, but to help every single one of us and give us more hope as we walk out these doors together today. Jesus, remind us of all that you came to do for us and give us the courage and strength to step into it, to change the trajectory of our lives and to walk in that with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.